Hi, I'm Dave Plisky, and welcome back to For You and For Me, a new way to listen to Monsignor Kieran Harrington's homilies. This past Sunday was Pentecost, the day in which we celebrate the birth of the Church, the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the Apostles. In his homily, Monsignor speaks of the experience we have in trying to know God the Holy Spirit and what it means for our faith to be on fire, so to speak. He asks us to have that fervor, that right relationship which achieves for us peace, even in this loud, busy city. When I was a a little boy, very often I'd go to church uh, with my parents or grandparents, and one thing that we always did was light a candle. It's funny that in our church we have real candles, not everybody lights a candle. But I remember as a kid, that was something that was a, a really big deal. And then in the 80s, you know, most churches went to candles that you push a button and the candle lights up. And I remember all the time when I was in the seminary and all throughout saying, I don't want to push a button. There's something that's really fake about just kind of pushing a button. But lighting a candle, that was something that was different. Because the fire was like alive, wasn't it? And I guess it harkens back to times maybe when I was a little kid and it was at my aunt's house and they would have a fireplace and they'd start the fire and you'd watch the fire roaring and you'd see how the log would change. You'd see how it would become consumed by fire and how over time the log was changing, that wood was changing. Fire is energy, it's power, it's force. And it's interesting that when we hear about Acts of the Apostles, right, the fire, the fire, the Holy Spirit is fire. So what does that mean for us? Well, the Holy Spirit, this third person of the most blessed Trinity, is a real person. But it's this energy, it's this force of energy whom we call the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. And you think about the Holy Spirit warms us, doesn't it? It gives us power, it gives us strength. It did that for the disciples. We hear in Acts of the Apostles, right? The Acts of the Apostles, which picks up after the ascension of our Lord. The Acts of the Apostles, which picks up and speaks about now, how has this faith in Jesus Christ transformed these individuals so that they would go about the work of Jesus Christ? They were transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. But what's the thing that we all know as kids? Again, when I was a kid, I remember I used to, you know, you'd want to play with the fire. I remember my mother taking my hand and putting my hand close to the fire, and I'd feel it kind of burning and pull my hand back, and she'd say, don't do that. Of course, you learned that lesson as a kid. Don't go near the fire. You know, as Christians, we sometimes don't want to get too close to the fire either, do we? We don't want to get too close to the Holy Spirit because we're fearful that if we get too close, we're going to burn. Think about in your own life the commitment of faith. Maybe sometimes when you feel that God has been speaking to you, asking you to do something, and you say to yourself, I don't want to get that close. You know what, I'm kind of content and happy where I am right now. If I get just a little closer, I'm going to get burned. You know, this happens for we who are priests or religious as well. And uh, it's often that, you know, you kind of meet somebody who is really on fire. Recently I was speaking to a priest who was one of these kind of real lunatics for Christ. 
You know, he's the kind of guy who, when he comes into, I, as soon as I got to know, I said, this guy has got some story. A real nut. Completely crazy, right? From a very wealthy English father, an aristocratic Spanish mother, becomes a priest in Toledo, kind of dissatisfied about where his life is going. So he ends up going with Mother Teresa. And then he spends some time with Mother Teresa in Calcutta, and he finds himself in the Dominican Republic, working with the Haitians, who are refugees, in the sugar fields. He gets so on fire with the Holy Spirit there that the government and the church want him to get out of the Dominican Republic because he's causing all sorts of problems being on the side of this disenfranchised. And so they ship him back to New York, and of course, being in the heart of establishment world, it becomes very hard for him to live here. So now he is in Ethiopia. And I look at this guy, and I remember as I was having a conversation with him, I was saying, yeah, he's crazy. But he's on fire with the Spirit. The Spirit leads us to different places. And we who are not on fire all the time, who are kind of very comfortable to kind of warm ourselves at a great distance, we kind of like the glow, but we don't want to get too close. We don't want to get too close. That's the challenge for us. But the challenge is for the disciples that until they were convicted by the Holy Spirit, it was only after that moment that they were able to go out and do the work that Christ had done. Consider for a moment what we were listening to in Acts of the Apostles. You know, there is a very clear symmetry in the sacred scriptures. You know, we're Parthians and Medes, Elamites, all this other stuff, right? Why is it saying that to us? Well, you have to consider for a moment, this is the moment where God's plan now is coming to fulfillment. At the very beginning of God's plan, what happens? At the very beginning of God's plan, there was one language. Everyone spoke one language. And so the scriptures say to us, maybe metaphorically, everyone speaking that one language said, you know, we're pretty damn smart, aren't we? We can figure things out. We're not like the rest of the animals. We can figure out how to make tools so that we can build things and hunt and do everything else. And all of a sudden, we, can, we realize that we can control nature a little bit. And then, as humanity became very puffed up, they said, hey, you know, the sun and the moon and the stars and the weather, none of that stuff matters. We got it all under control. Let's build a tower to God to prove we're as great as he is. And as they build the tower, which all of you know as Babel, what happens? God changes the language and there's confusion. And so all of a sudden, we see this moment where we really don't understand. Follow on, Acts of the Apostles. Christ has died. Christ rises. He ascends to the Father. He sends the Holy Spirit to you and to me. And now the disciples, convicted in the Holy Spirit, not simply engaged in a human enterprise, in a human project, they engage in that project, which is the great commission of Jesus Christ. And because of that, and because of his power, now, though they speak many different languages, they all understand. Because the truth 
of the fact, the truth of the matter is, is that words do not present for us meaning. There's all sorts of other things that are taking place in communication when we're in dialogue with one another. And maybe that's where we understand this question of peace. Think for a moment about we who live in probably the wealthiest country, one of the wealthiest countries in the world, but certainly one of the wealthiest cities of the world. Even our poor are pretty wealthy. Think for a moment about even if you're poor here, you're doing better than most of the world. So consider for a moment about our anxiety. We have so much, and we kind of we kind of define ourselves by what it is we acquire, all these things which are perishable. Really and truly, if you live in New York, it's very hard to find peace, isn't it? Not simply some quiet, but peace. And remember that when Jesus is speaking about peace to you and to me, he is speaking about living in right relationship. Peace is not absence of conflict. Peace is living in right relationship, one, with God's creation. Think about in the world today how much conversation has been generated because of the Paris, the Paris Climate Treaty. Think about how everyone is so agitated. We're destroying our universe. We're destroying our world. You know why? Because we don't live in harmony with our world. And it's easy for Mayor de Blasio or other people to be critical of the president, but then get into their SUV and drive all around. It can be for you and for me as well, as we turn on our air conditioner and dispose of our food so very easily. We don't really live in right relationship with God's creation, do we? We don't have a small carbon footprint. And in terms of our neighbor, it's hard to live with our neighbors, you know? Yesterday we had ordinations here, which meant that the streets were closed down, some cars were getting towed, people were getting angry. You know, and my reaction was, of course, hey, the signs were up, you should have... Not living in right relationship with our neighbor. How do we live in right relationship with those who are around us? Not simply seeing it from our perspective, but seeing their circumstances. And most of us are not living in right relationship with ourselves, are we? There's all that anxiety that's a part of our life. We're concerned about our husband, our wife, our children, our boyfriend, our girlfriend, that we don't have a boyfriend or we don't have a girlfriend, our job, where we're going to live, how much it costs to live here. Maybe everything's going great and we still say, why am I unhappy? Everything's great. I still feel kind of like something's missing. There's this anxiety because we're not living in right relationship with ourselves. Finally, of course, then, if we're not living in right relationship with God's creation and with our neighbor or ourselves, we are not in right relationship with God. Why is that? Why is it? It's because we have not gotten close to the fire. We're content to just feel a little bit of the flame, to feel the warmth, but we don't want to be the log. And the truth is, is that unless we become the logs, the world will never be on fire. 
Unless you and I are the logs, the world will never be on fire with the love of Jesus Christ. And that's what the disciples understood. They didn't fear the flame when the Holy Spirit entered their hearts. They did before, but they did it once the Holy Spirit came upon them. For you and for me, brothers and sisters, the Holy Spirit came among us first at our baptism, then at our confirmation. Now the Holy Spirit also comes upon us in a special way as we remember this day of Pentecost. And so as we receive Holy Communion, let us not be afraid to approach the flame and enter into the flame and to be transformed by the flame as we become an extension of Christ's work in our world. May God bless you. A quick note to apologize for getting this episode out a day late. I was in D.C. yesterday for the annual Catholic prayer breakfast. I'm shooting for Tuesday releases each week. If you're in Brooklyn, I invite you to come to English Language Mass at the Co-Cathedral of St. Joseph at 9 a.m. or 12 noon on Sundays. On Twitter, you can tweet at Monsignor H and with the hashtag FYAFM, or you can email comments or questions to me at podcast at desalesmedia.org, and I may be able to address them the next time we do a face-to-face episode. For You and For Me is brought to you by DeSales Media Group. Please subscribe in iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. For Monsignor Kieran Harrington, I'm Dave Plisky, and these are his words to live by, for you and for me.